0: Section 28 of Germainon by Emile Zola. Translation by Havelock Ellis. The Slipper Box Recording is in the Public Domain. Reading by Matt Perrard. Part 5. Chapter 5. Monsieur Rambaud had placed himself in front of his study window to watch the departure of the carriage which was taking away his wife to lunch at Marchandes his eyes followed nagrel for a moment as he trotted beside the carriage door then he quietly returned and seated himself at his desk when neither his wife nor his nephew animated the place with their presence the house seemed empty on the stay the coachman was driving his wife rose the new housemaid had leave to go out till five o'clock there only remained Hippolyte, the valet de chambre trailing about the rooms in slippers and the cook who had been occupied since dawn in struggling with her saucepans entirely absorbed in the dinner which was to be given in the evening so m hennebeau promised himself a day of serious work in this deep calm of the deserted house towards nine o'clock although he had received orders to send every one away hippolyte took the liberty of announcing dansarc who was bringing news the manager then heard for the first time of the meeting in the forest the evening before the details were very precise and he listened while thinking of the intrigue with pierron so well known that two or three anonymous letters every week denounced the licentiousness of the head captain evidently the husband had talked and no doubt the wife had too he even took advantage of the occasion he let the head captain know that he was aware of everything contenting himself with recommending prudence for fear of a scandal startled by these reproaches in the midst of his report bensart denied stammered excuses while his great nose confessed the crime by its sudden redness he did not insist however glad to get off so easily for as a rule the manager displayed the implacable severity of the virtuous man whenever an employee allowed himself the indulgence of a pretty girl in the pit the conversation continued concerning the strike that meeting in the forest was only the swagger of blusterers nothing serious threatened in any case the settlements would surely not stir for some days beneath the impression of respectful fear which must have been produced by the military promenade of the morning when m Hennebeau was alone again he was however on the point of sending a telegram to the prefect only the fear of uselessly showing a sign of anxiety held him back already he could not forgive himself his lack of insight in saying everywhere and even writing to the directors that the strike would last at most a fortnight it had been going on and on for nearly two months to his great surprise and he was in despair over it he felt himself every day lowered and compromised and was forced to imagine some brilliant achievement which would bring him back into favour with the directors he had just asked them for orders in the case of a skirmish there was delay over the reply and he was expecting it by the afternoon post he said to himself that there would be time then to send out telegrams and to obtain the military occupation of the pits if such was the desire of those gentlemen in his own opinion there would certainly be a battle and an expenditure of blood this responsibility troubled him in spite of his habitual energy up to eleven o'clock he worked peacefully there was no sound in the dead house except hippolyte's waxing-stick which was rubbing a floor far away on the first floor then one after the other he received two messages the first announcing the attack on jean bart by the manceau band the second telling of the cut cables the overturned fires and all the destruction he could not understand why had the strikers gone to damelin instead of attacking one of the company's pits besides they were quite welcome to sack vendame that would merely ripen the plan of conquest which he was meditating and at midday he lunched alone in the large dining-room served so quietly by the servant that he could not even hear his slippers the solitude rendered his preoccupations more gloomy he was feeling cold at the heart when a captain who had arrived running was shown in and told him of the mob's march on almost immediately as he was finishing his coffee a telegram informed him that madeleine and crcur were in their turn threatened then his perplexity became extreme he was expecting the postman at two o'clock ought he at once to ask for troops or would it be better to wait patiently and not to act until he had received the director's orders he went back into his study he wished to read a report which he had asked the to prepare the day before for the prefect but he could not put his hand on it he reflected that perhaps the young man had left it in his room where he often wrote at night and without taking any decision pursued by the idea of this report he went upstairs to look for it in the room as he entered m envau was surprised the room had not been done no doubt through Hippolates, forgetfulness or laziness there was a moist heat there the close heat of the past night made heavier from the mouth of the hot air stove being left open and he was suffocated too with a penetrating perfume which he thought must be the odor of the toilet waters with which the basin was full there was great disorder in the room garments scattered about damp towels thrown on the backs of chairs the bed yawning with a sheet drawn back and draggling on the carpet but at first he only glanced round with an abstracted look as he went towards a table covered with papers to look for the missing report twice he examined the papers one by one but it was certainly not there where the devil could that madcap paul have stuffed it and as monsieur enrol went back into the middle of the room giving a glance at each article of furniture he noticed in the open bed a bright point which shone like a star he approached mechanically and put out his hand it was a little gold-scent bottle lying between two folds of the sheet he at once recognized a scent-bottle belonging to madame monbeau the little ether-bottle which was always with her but he could not understand its presence here how could it have got into paul's bed and suddenly he grew terribly pale his wife had slept there beg your port sir murmured Hippolyte's voice through the door i saw you going up the servant entered and was thrown into consternation by the disorder Lord why the room is not done so rose has gone out leaving all the house on my shoulders m hennebeau had hidden the bottle in his hand and was pressing it almost to breaking what do you want it's another man sir he has come from cricourt with a letter good leave me alone tell him to wait his wife had slept there when he had bolted the door he opened his hand again and looked at the little bottle which had left its image in red on his flesh suddenly he saw and understood this filthiness had been going on in his house for months he recalled his old suspicion the rustling against the doors the naked feet at night through the silent house yes it was his wife who went up to sleep there falling into a chair opposite the bed which he gazed at fixedly he remained some minutes as though crushed a noise aroused him someone was knocking at the door trying to open it he recognized the servant's voice sir ah you are shut in sir what is it now there seems to be a hurry the men are breaking everything there are two more messengers below there are also some telegrams you just leave me alone i am coming directly the idea that hippolyte would himself have discovered the scent-bottle had he done the room in the morning had just frozen him and besides this man must know he must have found the bed still hot with adultery twenty times over with madame's hairs trailing on the pillow and abominable traces staining the linen the man kept interrupting him and it could only be out of inquisitiveness perhaps he had stayed with his ears stuck to the door excited by the debauchery of his masters M. Rambeau did not move he still gazed at the bed his long past of suffering unrolled before him his marriage with this woman their immediate misunderstanding of the heart and of the flesh the lovers whom she had had unknown to him and the lover whom he had tolerated for ten years as one tolerates an impure taste in a sick woman then came their arrival at montsou the mad hope of curing her months of languor of sleepy exile the approach of old age which would perhaps at last give her back to him then their nephew arrived this paul to whom she became a mother and to whom she spoke of her dead heart buried forever beneath the ashes and he the imbecile husband foresaw nothing he adored this woman who was his wife whom other men had possessed but whom he alone could not possess he adored her with shameful passion, so that he would have fallen on his knees if she would but have given him the leavings of other men, the leavings of the others she gave to this child. The sound of a distant gong at this moment made M. Hennebeau start. He recognized it. It was struck by his orders when the postman arrived. He rose and spoke aloud breaking into the flood of coarseness with which his parched throat was bursting in spite of himself ah i don't care bloody hang for their telegrams and their letters not a bloody hang now he was carried away by rage the need of some sewer in which to stamp down all this filthiness with his heels this woman was a vulgar drab he sought for crude words and buffeted her image with them the sudden idea of the marriage between cecile and paul which she was arranging with so quiet a smile completed his exasperation there was then not even passion not even jealousy at the bottom of this persistent sensuality it was now a perverse plaything the habit of the woman a recreation taken like an accustomed dessert and he put all the responsibility on her he regarded as almost innocent the lad at whom she had bitten in this reawakening of appetite just as one bites at an early green fruit stolen by the wayside. Whom would she devour, of—on whom would she fall when she no longer had complacent nephews, sufficiently practical to accept in their own family the table, the bed, and the wife? There was a timid scratch at the door, and Hippolyte allowed himself to whisper through the keyhole, "'The postman, sir, and Monsieur Densart, too, has come back.' saying that they are killing one another i'm coming down good god what should he do to them chase them away on their return from marchands like stinking animals whom he would no longer have beneath his roof he would take a cudgel and would tell them to carry elsewhere their poisonous coupling it was with their sighs with their mixed breaths that the damp warmth of this room had grown heavy the penetrating odour which had suffocated him with the odour of musk which his wife's skin exhaled another perverse taste a fleshly need of violent perfumes and he seemed to feel also the heat and odour of fornication of living adultery in the pots which lay about in the basins still full in the disorder of the linen of the furniture of the entire room tainted with vice the fury of impotence threw him on to the bed which he struck with his fists belabouring the places where he saw the imprint of their two bodies enraged with the disordered coverlets and the crumpled sheets soft and inert beneath his blows as though exhausted themselves by the embraces of the whole night but suddenly he thought he heard hippolyte coming up again he was arrested by shame for a moment he stood panting wiping his forehead calming the bounds of his heart standing before a mirror he looked at his face so changed that he did not recognize himself then when he had watched it gradually grow calmer by an effort of supreme will he went downstairs five messengers were standing below not counting all brought him news of increasing gravity concerning the march of the strikers among the pits and the chief captain told him at length what had gone on at mireau and the fine behavior of father he listened nodding his head but he did not hear his thoughts were in the room upstairs at last he sent them away saying that he would take due measures when he was alone again seated before his desk he seemed to grow drowsy with his head between his hands covering his eyes his mail was there and he decided to look for the expected letter the director's reply the lines at first danced before him but he understood at last that these gentlemen desired a skirmish. Certainly they did not order him to make things worse, but they allowed it to be seen, that disturbances would hasten the conclusion of the strike by provoking energetic repression. After this he no longer hesitated, but sent off telegrams on all sides, to the prefect of Lille, to the court of soldiery at Douai, to the police at Marchienne. It was a relief. He had nothing to do but shut himself in he even spread the report that he was suffering from gout and all the afternoon he hid himself in his study receiving no one contenting himself with reading the telegrams and letters which continued to rain in he thus followed the mob from afar from madeleine to cravcourt from cravcourt to the victoire from the victoire to gaston-marie information also reached him of the bewilderment of the police and the troops wandering along the roads and always with their backs to the pit attacked they might kill one another and destroy everything he put his head between his hands again with his fingers over his eyes and buried himself in the deep silence of the empty house where he only heard now and then the noise of the cook's saucepans as she bustled about preparing the evening's dinner the twilight was already darkening the room it was five o'clock when a disturbance made monsieur jump as he sat dazed and inert with his elbows in his papers he thought that it was the two wretches coming back but the tumult increased and a terrible cry broke out just as he was going to the window bread 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 it was the strikers now invading montsou while the police expecting an attack on the bureau, were galloping off in the opposite direction to occupy that pit just then Two kilometres away from the first houses, a little beyond the crossways where the main road cut the Vandame road, Madame Annebeau and the young ladies had witnessed the passing of the mob. The day had been spent pleasantly at Marchienne; there had been a delightful lunch with the manager of the forges. Then an interesting visit to the workshops and to the neighboring glassworks to occupy the afternoon and as they were now going home in the limpid decline of the beautiful winter day cecile had had the whim to drink a glass of milk as she noticed a little farm near the edge of the road they all then got down from the carriage and Negrel gallantly leapt off his horse while the peasant woman alarmed by all these fine people rushed about and spoke of laying a cloth before serving the milk but lucy and jean wanted to see the cow milked and they went into the cattle-shed with their cups making a little rural party and laughing greatly at the litter in which one sank madame hennebeau with her complacent maternal air was drinking with the edge of her lips when a strange roaring noise from without disturbed her what is that then the cattle shed built at the edge of the road had a large door for carts for it was also used as a barn for hay the young girls who had put out their heads were astonished to see on the left a black flood a shouting band which was moving along the Vandame road the deuce muttered negro who had also gone out are our brawlers getting angry at last it is perhaps the colliers again said the peasant woman this is twice they've passed seems things are not going well they are masters out of the country she uttered every word prudently watching the effects on their faces and when she noticed the fright of all of them and their deep anxiety at this encounter she hastened to conclude oh the rascals the rascals negrel seeing that it was too late to get into their carriage and reach ordered the coachman to bring the vehicle into the farmyard where it would remain hidden behind a shed he himself fastened his horse which a lad had been holding beneath the shed when he came back he found his aunt and the young girls distracted and ready to follow the peasant woman who proposed that they should take refuge in her house but he was of opinion that they would be safer where they were for certainly no one would come and look for them in the hay the door however shut very badly and had such large chinks in it that the road could be seen between the worm-eaten planks come courage he said we will sell our lives dearly this joke increased their fear the noise grew louder but nothing could yet be seen along the vacant road the wind of a tempest seemed to be blowing like the sudden gusts which precede great storms no no i don't want to look said Cecile, going to hide herself in the hay madame hennebeau who was very pale and felt angry with these people who had spoiled her pleasure Stood in the background with a sidelong look of the repugnance, while Lucy and Jean, though trembling, had placed their eyes at a crack, anxious to lose nothing of the spectacle. A sound of thunder came near; the earth was shaken, and Jeanlin galloped up first, blowing into his horn. "Take out your scent bottles," the sweat of the people is passing by," murmured Negrel, who, in spite of his Republican convictions, liked to make fun of the populace when he was with ladies. But this witticism was carried away in the hurricane of gestures and cries. The women had appeared, nearly a thousand of them, with outspread hair disheveled by running, the naked skin appearing through their rags, the nakedness of females weary with giving birth to starvelings. A few held their little ones in their arms, raising them and shaking them like banners of mourning and vengeance. Others, who were younger with swollen breasts of Amazons, brandished sticks, while frightful old women were yelling so loudly that the cords of their fleshless necks seemed to be breaking. And then the men came up. Two thousand madmen, trammers, pikemen, menders, a compact mass which rolled along like a single block in confused serried rank, so that it was impossible to distinguish their faded trousers or ragged woollen jackets, all effaced in the same earthly uniformity. Their eyes were burning and one only distinguished the holes of black mouths singing the marseillaise the stanzas were lost in a confused roar accompanied by the clang of sabots over the hard earth above their heads amid the bristling iron bars an axe passed by carried erect and the single axe which seemed to be the standard of the band showed in the clear air the sharp profile of a guillotine blade what atrocious faces stammered madame hennebeau nagrel said between his teeth devil take me if i can recognize one of them where did the bandits spring from and in fact anger hunger these two months of suffering and this enraged helter skelter through the pits had lengthened the placid faces of the Montsou colliers into the muzzles of wild beasts at this moment the sun was setting its last rays of sombre purple cast a gleam of blood over the plain. The road seemed to be full of blood. Men and women continued to rush by, bloody as butchers in the midst of slaughter. Oh, superb, whispered Lucy and Jean, stirred in their artistic taste by the beautiful horror of it. They were frightened, however, and drew back close to Madame Ambeau, who was leaning on a trough she was frozen at the thought that a glance between the planks of that disjointed door might suffice to murder them negrel also who was usually very brave felt himself grow pale seized by a terror that was superior to his will the terror which comes from the unknown cecile in the hay no longer stirred and the others in spite of the wish to turn away their eyes could not do so they were compelled to gaze it was the red vision of the revolution which would one day inevitably carry them all away on some bloody evening at the end of the century yes some evening the people unbridled at last would thus gallop along the roads making the blood of the middle class flow, parading severed heads and sprinkling gold from disemboweled coffers the women would yell the men would have those wolf-like jaws open to bite yes the same rags the same thunder of great the same terrible troop, with dirty skins and tainted breath sweeping away the old world beneath an overflowing flood of barbarians fires would flame they would not leave standing one stone of the towns they would return to the savage life of the woods after the great rut the great feast-day when the poor in one night would emaciate the wives and empty the cellars of the rich there would be nothing left not a sou of the great fortunes not a title deed of properties acquired until the day dawned when a new earth would perhaps spring up once more yes it was these things which were passing along the road it was the force of nature herself and they were receiving the terrible wind of it in their faces a great cry arose dominating the marseillaise bread 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 Lucien and jean pressed themselves against madame hennebeau who was almost fainting while nagrel placed himself before them as though to protect them by his body was the old social order cracking this very evening and what they saw immediately after completed their stupefaction the band had nearly passed by there were only a few stragglers left when moquette came up she was delaying watching the bourgeois at their garden gates or the windows of their houses, and whenever she saw them, as she was not able to spit in their faces, she showed them what for her was the climax of contempt. Doubtless, she perceived someone now, for suddenly she raised her skirts, bent her back, and showed her enormous buttocks, naked beneath the last rays of the sun. There was nothing obscene in those fierce buttocks, and nobody laughed. Everything disappeared. The flood rolled on to Monceau, along the turns of the road between the low houses streaked with bright colours the carriage was drawn out of the yard but the coachman would not take it upon him to convey back madame and the young ladies without delay the strikers occupied the street and the worst was there was no other road we must go back however for dinner will be ready said madame ambold exasperated by annoyance and fear these dirty workpeople have "'Again chosen a day when I have visitors. "'How can you do good to such creatures?' "'Lucy and Jean were occupied "'in pulling Cécile out of the hay. "'She was struggling, "'believing that those savages were still passing by, "'and repeating that she did not want to see them. "'At last they all took their places in the carriage again. "'It then occurred to Négrel, who had remounted "'that they might go through the regular lanes. "'Go gently.' He said to the coachman for the road is atrocious if any groups prevent you from returning to the road over there you can stop behind the old pit and we will return on foot through the little garden door while you can put up the carriage and horses anywhere in some inn outhouse they set out the band far away was streaming into montsou as they had twice seen police and military the inhabitants were agitated and seized by panic abominable stories were circulating it was said that written placards had been set up threatening to rip open the bellies of the bourgeois nobody had read them but all the same they were able to quote the exact words at the lawyers especially the terror was at its height for he had just received by post an anonymous letter warning him that a barrel of powder was buried in his cellar and that it would be blown up if he did not declare himself on the side of the people just then the grgoires prolonging their visit on the arrival of this letter were discussing it and deciding that it must be the work of a joker when the invasion of the mob completed the terror of the house they however smiled drawing back a corner of the curtain to look out and refused to admit that there was any danger certain they said that all would finish up well five o'clock struck and they had time to wait until the street was free for them to cross the road to dine with the Ambos, where Cecile, who had surely returned must be waiting for them but no one in montsou seemed to share their confidence people were wildly running about doors and windows were banged too they saw maudrat on the other side of the road barricading his shop with a large supply of iron bars and looking so pale and trembling that his feeble little wife was obliged to fasten the screws The band had come to a halt before the manager's villa, and the cry echoed, ''Bread, bread, bread!'' Monsieur Rimbaud was standing at the window when Hippolyte came in to close the shutters, for fear the window should be broken by stones. He closed all on the ground floor, and then went up to the first floor. The creak of the window fasteners was heard, and the clack of the shutters, one by one. Unfortunately, it was not possible to shut the kitchen window, in the area in the same way a window made disquietingly ruddy by the gleams from the saucepans and the spit mechanically monsieur who wished to look out went up to paul's room on the second floor it was on the left the best situated for it commanded the road as far as the company's yards and he stood behind the blinds overlooking the crowd but this room had again overcome him the toilet table sponged and in order the cold bed with neat and well-drawn sheets. All his rage of the afternoon, that furious battle in the depths of his silent solitude, had now turned to an immense fatigue. His whole being was now like this room, grown cold, swept of the filth of the morning, returned to its habitual correctness. What was the good of a scandal? Had anything really changed in his house? His wife had simply taken another lover— that she had chosen him in the family scarcely aggravated the fact perhaps even it was an advantage for she thus preserved appearances he pitied himself when he thought of his mad jealousy how ridiculous to have struck that bed with his fists since he had tolerated another man he could certainly tolerate this one it was only a matter of a little more contempt a terrible bitterness was poisoning his mouth the uselessness of everything the internal pain of existence shame for himself who always adored and desired this woman in the dirt in which he had abandoned her beneath the window the yells broke out with increased violence bread 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 idiots said m hombaud between his clenched teeth he heard them abusing him for his large salary calling him a bloated idler a bloody beast who stuffed himself to indigestion with good things while the worker was dying of hunger the women had noticed the kitchen and there was a tempest of imprecations against the pheasant roasting there against the sauces that with fat odours irritated their empty stomachs ah the stinking bourgeois they should be stuffed with champagne and truffles till their guts burst bread 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 idiots repeated m am i happy anger arose in him against these people who could not understand he would willingly have made them a present of his large salary to possess their hard skin and their facility of coupling without regret why could he not seat them at his table and stuff them with his pheasant while he went to fornicate behind the hedges to tumble the girls over making fun of those who had tumbled them over before him he would have given everything his education his comfort his luxury his power as manager if he could be for one day the vilest of the wretches who obeyed him free of his flesh enough of a blackguard to beat his wife and to take his pleasure with his neighbors wives and he longed also to be dying of hunger to have an empty belly a stomach twisted by cramps that would make his head turn with giddiness Perhaps that would have killed the eternal pain. Ah, to live like a brute, to possess nothing, to scour the fields with the ugliest and dirtiest putter, and to be able to be happy. Bread, bread, bread. Then he grew angry and shouted furiously in the tumult, Bread? Is that enough, idiots? He could eat, and all the same he was groaning with torment. His desolate household, his whole wounded life, choked him at the throat. Like a death agony, things were not all for the best because one had bread. Who was the fool who placed earthly happiness in the partition of wealth? These revolutionary dreamers might demolish society and rebuild another society. They would not add one joy to humanity, they would not take away one pain by cutting bread and butter for everybody. They would even enlarge the unhappiness of the earth they would one day make the very dogs howl with despair when they had taken them out of the tranquil satisfaction of instinct to raise them to the unappeasable suffering of passion no the one good thing was not to exist and if one existed to be a tree a stone less still a grain of sand which cannot bleed beneath the heels of the passer-by and in this exasperation of his torment tears swelled in m hennebeau's eyes and broke in burning drops on his cheeks the twilight was drowning the road when stones began to riddle the front of the villa with no anger now against these starving people only enraged by the burning wound at his heart he continued to stammer in the midst of his tears idiots idiots but the cry of the belly dominated and a roar blew like a tempest sweeping everything before it bread bread Bread. End of section 28